calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode for Loki Season 2, Episode 5, here from the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hope <laughs> Shannon will find his voice by the end of this review, but we are definitely excited to be jumping into this one. Science Fiction, that's the name of this uh, episode here, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who make a couple of cameos. Those were the two guys that were breaking out of the prison with Casey there. Uh, and this one also written by Eric Martin and Michael Waldron. And I've seen a couple of reviews saying that this may be the greatest episode of Marvel television ever. And I've seen other people saying, I'm still trying to put this thing together, still trying to figure out what happened. I've seen Doctor Who comparisons. I've seen Jules Verne comparisons. I've seen all kinds of things across the board. Uh, but gentlemen, there is so much to talk about in this episode, the penultimate episode before we get to the finale next week. And a lot happened in this one. Uh, before we jump into though, we should introduce ourselves for anybody who might be new to our show. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now on YouTube every weekend with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. And you've got a holiday special out that people should check out as well on Netflix. Yep. What's the name of that one? You can currently go to Netflix and you can check out the first two seasons of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, as well as the fall special Strawberry Shortcake and the Beast of Barry Bog and the winter special Strawberry Shortcake's Perfect Holiday. Two of these specials that are out of four. You will get a spring special and a summer special in early 2024. There you go. I love it. No, it doesn't work. Oh, well, never mind. There we go. There we go. Eventually. All right. So <laughs> you know, as you get older, as you get older, it takes a little bit more time for it to come out. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny was doing some timing slipping just now. 
Um, yeah, speaking of Diamond Slim and Shannon, great, great, great segue. What an episode we got here. You know, when we, when we ended last episode, Victor Timely turned into a bunch of spaghetti, and it looked like everyone was a goner. But we open with this episode. Loki has come out of this thing. He is time-slipping again. He goes into all the different places and the different variants, the original uh, source of the variants for each of these characters, from Mobius to Casey to B-15 to Sylvie, all of them going into the original stuff here and comes out of it realizing and being broken down by Sylvie that the reason he wants to put the TVA back together is because he wants his friends back. And then we get a really brutal ending to this um, to this episode that shows us the ramifications of Sylvie's decision from all the way back at the end of season one, her refusal to help and her finally seeing that they do have to come together in some way to stop all this from happening. So an interesting, fascinating, fun, moving, touching, and uh, way out there psychedelic type of episode that I thought was uh, uh, fascinating to watch. I've watched it a couple of times now. Michael, give us your overall thoughts on this episode here. I mean, uh, is it the greatest episode of all of Marvel television? I don't know if it's the greatest, but it's a contender for it. It, mm -hmm. it was a wild, wild episode. Um, so much to talk about. I mean, not only it was it just an amazing episode of television, but in the bigger picture of what Loki is all about thematically, I think there's a lot to talk about. What it means for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a lot to talk about. But even beyond that, just a exploration of science versus fiction, which is a kind of broiled boils down to like what really makes the universe work, what's really important, um, and what it means to be a god. Uh, there, there, it, it was a, like the philosophy of this episode was so great that I don't quite know where to begin, but I will yeah. go ahead and just throw out there right now that like, in the sense of the Ouroboros of the season, it now looks like I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in saying that it was Loki who created the TVA in the first place. And we will Ooh. watch Loki create the TVA. We will watch he who remains take over the T I I think where we're going to end up is that Loki brought everybody into the TVA by, and they all came by choice. And then at some point Kang comes in and wipes their memories several times. And then Loki from Avengers Endgame gets taken to the TVA, brought into the TVA, tries to destroy the TVA, finds he who remains, comes back to the TVA, goes through an entire purpose that destroys the TVA so that Loki can then be the one who actually is the one who built the TVA in the first place. So I think that's where we're setting things wow. up. But, uh, but we will see. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts overall. I mean, Michael jumping the gun to the end part of the review. Yeah, sorry. Right. I just I just had to get it out there. I just had to get it out there because we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about it as you go into each of these stores and I'll be like, and yeah. then if you notice this, and then if you notice this. So I figured let's just jump to the end at this one and just kind of put that out there right away. Fair enough. Put that flag in the ground. Shannon, your thoughts overall on this episode science fiction here from Loki season two. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to give it the crown of best episode of Marvel television uh, ever, um, but it is it is definitely top five, 100%. Like this was yeah. this was just so much fun. It's the type of episode that 
um, stuff's happening, like the Alcatraz breakout that I'm yeah. I'm going to my computer, I'm going to my phone, being like, was it this year? Was it those guys? Holy shit, yes, it was. Now I got to make some notes. And what's happening? No, I got to rewind it now. What's OB talking about? Wait a minute, that set looks really familiar. And you know what? I'm not going to take a notes. I just got to watch. Um, so, but, but oh, good for just, you. How fun that must be that you don't take notes while you're watching it. Oh, oh, oh. oh. and then I and then I watched it again and started to take notes. I'm like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to watch and pay attention. Um, no, it was it was a, a lot, a lot of fun. And again, some really wonderful acting moments between uh, Sophia DiMartino, Tom Hiddleston, and Kiwi Kwan. Um, you know, the, the bookstore scene, just freaking heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, knowing since, since the gun has already been jumped, um, that was my thought as well. I'm like, are they breaking the loop here? Or does Kang come in and does Loki ultimately lose again? Because that is a Loki's destiny. Um, next week's episode should be very, very exciting. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I got to say, I, I thoroughly loved this episode because it challenged me mentally, right? I'm watching this, following along, because on the surface, pretty simple episode. This guy wants to figure out what's going on, gets time-slipped into each of his friends' actual timelines, meets them for the first time in their minds, and in essence kind of reacquaints himself with their essence, reacquaints himself with why he cares about them, and then at the end there realizes, I can bring everybody together, and then realizes, well, wait, am I forcing them to do something they don't want to do? I'm going to let them go. No, we do have to be together. We do have to stop this from happening. And the final piece of the puzzle, which is this person that I have feelings for, shows up, and now we're all together. Let's go get this shit. That's on the surface. Pretty cool episode. But all this stuff that's happening underneath the surface is what makes the episode so interesting and unique and why Eric Martin really deserves a lot of recognition for the writing he has done in this series and especially in this season because this has been one of the most fantastic seasons and interesting and challenging seasons and you can have like multi you could teach a class on this season that i think would be really interesting at a at a university or whatever about how they're using the um uh themes as you mentioned mike but also the concepts and how they're bringing this all about but still mm -hmm. retaining the for lack of a better term humanity at the center of this and i think that's what's fascinating to watch in this season um, all right, so I'm going to do my best here. I honestly just wanted to go into two sections. Just go, look, this happened, and then this happened. Let's discuss it. But let's just see <laughs> if I can break this thing down consistently, and then we'll have a conversation. All right, as I said, Loki opens his eyes as we start the episode. He's the only one in the TVA. He walks around. He begins time slipping, which I imagine is probably happening because of his exposure to what happened at the end of the episode with the temporal loom. And we hear a voiceover saying that this is TVA code 1229 on the intercom. And then he time slips upon himself in the computer area, reading the TVA guidebook, then time slips upon himself, walking back into watching himself, looking at the TVA guidebook, which is the immediate beginning of the mind fucking all over this episode. And then everything starts to turn to spaghetti. And we see Miss Minutes, her random cameo in this episode saying, thank you for your service. Uh, and then we cut to Casey leading a prison break out of Alcatraz in 1962. This is based on the actual Frank Martin who led a prison break out of Alcatraz in 1962. And as I mentioned, the two other guys with him are the directors, Johnson, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. He, Loki pops in out of uh, time slipping 
he doesn't know. Uh, Frank doesn't know Loki. And then Loki time slips to the McDonald's, to Piranha Power Sports, to the Time Theater. So it's actually just giving us a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. And then we cut to B-15 being a doctor in 2012 New York. She's talking to a young patient. We see that she's empathetic and she cares and she's got this energy. So we're establishing Casey a little bit breaking of the rules. B-15 is much more of an empathy. So you've got all these different components that are going to create the overall or part of the overall group. He times up center now. We cut to Mobius simulating riding a jet ski in 2022 Cleveland, <coughs> trying to sell it to a guy who wants a motorbike. We find out his real name is Don and that he has two kids who apparently he can't be bothered to come talk to on the phone. And then Loki time slips into Piranha Power Sports and meets Mobius which is, I think, yeah, and th yeah, this we'll stop there. We'll stop there. So, uh, Michael, what did you think about how they were doing this? What were your thoughts as the time slipping was happening, and as he was as he was meeting Frank and uh, B fifteen and uh, Don here in their separate uh, storylines? Well, my first thought um, was when everything in the TVA started turning into spaghetti, I was like, I don't want to hear anybody else tell me that Victor Timely is down for the count because he got spaghetti because in this episode, absolutely yeah. everything is spaghetti. So everything is on the table. Um, but I think the most sure. important thing, so it, it did, they did raise a question that I realized hasn't ever fully been answered. And I, I hope it gets answered, which is why is Loki time slipping and not, and not, uh, and not, uh, Sophie uh-huh sylvie like sylvie, sylvie. sorry sylvie, right. brain fart um why is uh yeah oh sophie actress sylvie okay got it um yeah why is sylvie not time slipping and loki did like yeah. what is it about loki because they never and like i do think it's interesting that loki and sylvie are the two that have all of their memories every human got right. thrown back onto the right. timeline but loki and sylvie whether it's because they're gods whether it is because they made it to the end of time to him who remains like they both have the ability to retain their memories they know what went down they know what went what going on but loki's the only one that's having this time slipping problem so that is an interesting thing to just sort of keep in mind as we're watching everything going on the other thing that's interesting about this episode that's important for the end is that Everything that happened with Loki in the uh, in the premiere of this season, uh, when he would time slip and go back in time, there were two Lokis. Mm. Like that Loki would go see himself. Like we Loki yeah. is ultimately the one who pruned himself. In this, Loki sees himself reading the book. He disappears. He goes up to read the book. He sees the Loki that's about to disappear. So all of these things are looping, and that's very different than what he does at the end. So as far as mm. his mastery of time looping and what he's able to do, like just keep that on the table and keep that in mind. Um, the Alcatraz stuff with Casey was great. Like it was just so well done. Um, them taking something that's true from history where we don't know what happened to these people and being like, well, this is why you don't know. Like super fun. What's interesting about Casey, B-15, Mobius, all of them is kind of what you said, John, is seeing what they were really like compared mm. to what they became or what they ultimately became in B-15's case. Whereas like B-15 right. was a doctor you know, uh, you know, made the Hippocratic oath, do no harm, don't hurt people. When we first meet her in the TVA, she's a soldier and yeah. she is pruning and by definition, murdering billions of people. And then she goes to this place by the end where she's like, she wants to help people. She wants yeah. to save people. That element of her actual personality came back in. Casey kind of a wild card because he's so different. Like, you know, being a being a convict and a felon to the nerdy guy who's memorized the TVA handbook. Like, it'll be interesting to see if we explore that more. And then poor Mobius, man. Like, his life doesn't seem great. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, we talked, you know, John, you talked a lot about the season, like the yeah. obviously, I mean, look, we've been tracking freaking uh, jet skis since season one. And yeah, so we yeah. now know why he's been holding on to that jet ski thing. But <laughs> his sort of uh, reluctance to go check out his life on the timeline, his sort of like not wanting to like mm. not wanting to know. And then looking at the life he had, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, it doesn't look great. His kids have fucking bed sheets coming out of the windows. They're burning toys. Like he's barely got, barely got it going on. So I think that with with each of them, um, and did we touch on Ob as well? Not yet. No, we're just okay. going to get well, to okay. Ob. We'll, I, I we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave Ob. We'll leave Ob. But with each of them, it's just sort of interesting to see who, where their lives were. Yeah. What we know of them in the TVA, and then ultimately leading to Loki's choice discussion with Sylvie, which is, well, what would you choose? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing you know this whole thing is about free will like loki from season one has been about free will choice do we have the choice can we choose like so 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 putting these characters in this kind of position is really interesting couple very specific marvel things um b15 is a doctor in new york in 2012. you know what else happens in new york in 2012. avengers right loki comes in and uh, attacks a city with a bunch of chitauri so whether or not they're going to touch on that or we're going to see B-15 choose to be there and then she instantly dies or ends up helping people, like putting someone in New York in 2012 is a very specific Marvel choice. Yeah. Um, similarly, Mobius uh, and his kids uh, are around in 2022, yeah. which means that they survived the snap. And it also oh, means that if right. he does, the bl- yeah. And if he doesn't have, he lost his wife and it just made me wonder did his wife leave him or did she get dusted? So just like mm-hmm. little random things that if you're a super Marvel nerd, which a lot of us are, um, you know, it's just when you're when you're making those choices, as as specific as a choice as it is to put Casey and Alcatraz, putting those dates specifically in the Marvel timeline are also very specific choices. So just some interesting things that I noticed. Yeah, and it's the second time in the show, uh, Shannon, where you know they used a real life thing, right? Like DB Cooper in season yeah. one which is what Loki was. And now you've got Frank Martin in season two here as uh, leading this escape from Alcatraz. But, uh, you know, Shannon, what are your thoughts on this as you see um, Loki time slipping into these three separate timelines with Mobius, uh, with a, a B-15 and with a case? Well, I mean, the, the, the Frank Martin thing I thought was interesting because that it's a branch timeline. And so we know factually like that escape attempt did happen. What we don't know is whether or not they survived. Like that's the actual case is like, there was no conclusive evidence that they made it to land or that they drowned. They never found bodies, but they never found them on land either. So the fact that that is a branch timeline, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, The way that Loki is kind of walking around that sort of um, empty TVA as the alarms and the sirens are still going off. It's like, okay, did he time slip right before the loom that that kind of aftershock of the loom happened because what i took from it is those people that he was there with they're dead like they're gone Mm. um and the ones that he is then being pulled into which we find out later from ob it's like no you are you are actively doing this but you don't know how to control it yet when you think back to how he was time slipping at the beginning of the season that he realized he was in the past suddenly he got it's like uh, subconsciously he's like I, I i need to be later and so he goes later but he goes too yeah. far um you you see like him starting to starting to understand like all right this is this is what i can do like the the i caught the 2012 new york thing which yeah, i thought like yeah. oh that's fun i did not think about 2022 and the fact that 
um, Don's wife may have been may have been dusted and why the he's kind of letting his sons run wild is because they have just experienced the greatest tragedy in the history of this of this earth and he's like yeah you know what if you want to if you want to if you want to throw bed sheets out the window sure you know what i'm gonna get you a puppy we'll discuss about the snake um yeah i mean i someone figuring out what is going on i i think tom hiddleston just did such such a wonderful job i mean really great scene eugene cordero getting to play this different color than what we know as casey and even though like when Masaka, i feel like we have seen her play this sort of nurturing type before the way that we are introduced to b15 is she is a ball buster she's a hard ass and this season we've started to see that more nurturing side of her and then you see where that came from it was because she was a doctor um yeah this is as we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, is this the best episode of Marvel? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> it, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything, everything together, just just really, really great. And Owen Wilson, I, I mean, I love that we, a, after his kind of personal issues that happened probably about 10 years ago, that, that Owen Wilson is getting a shot with a role like this because he's just so incredibly charming and so much fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And what I think also when you're looking at this situation is the this is the foundational piece pieces of all of these characters, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. the empathy from B15. But Casey seems to really enjoy being a criminal. And, <laughs> uh, and, and Don may – he may not have the best life in dealing with all – but he does love his kids. And it's because as we find out in just a little bit, the one thing he's worried about is leaving his boys. He doesn't want to leave his boys. He doesn't want to leave his boys. So, like most dads will probably tell you, yeah, I look unhappy on the outside, but I actually am happy being a dad. It's just a lot of fucking work, you know? And so there may be a little bit more of happiness in each of their storylines, which may lead to what happens later when Loki feels guilty about what he's trying to do out of his selfish desire to bring everybody together but i like that we get this more these more levels to these characters that we can now put in context as all this stuff is going to happen here we we imagine in the finale so really great stuff and and connecting all these things and the dates mike great point i did not catch the 2022 either and it was like okay wow okay but that makes sense the wife gone and the way he talks about it could make sense uh, as well um let's uh you know what let's move on because i don't want to do a break yet let's move on to pasadena 1994 pasadena california uh ag doug that's his name doug is checking out the zartan contingent for those of you who are his name's data data Um, by the way the zartan contingent was first spotted in the credit sequence of loki season two episode one so go back and watch those end credits it is in there uh and zartan might be a reference to a gi joe villain which is a who was a master of disguise and the zartans are a race of shapeshifters from marvel comics that also reference a little bit of loki's power set so shout out to Screen Rant for those uh, those uh, Easter eggs there. We appreciate it. But he is trying to put his own sci-fi. He's trying to buy his own sci-fi book and put his own sci-fi books in this bookstore to sell. But he gets caught. Uh, he heads home to an old building that looks a lot like somebody's uh, factory there, OB's office rather. And Loki time slips in to see him. And he is not overwhelmed by this or overall shocked by this. And they discuss his ability to time slip back to before the temporal loom exploded, Obi says he needs to learn to control his time slipping. He's pulling a Miyagi on him to make a connection. 
Obi says it's not random and that he is time slipping to people who he wants to communicate with. He asks him why he's doing this, and Obi counsels him to use the why to control his time slipping, which I think will come up later with, with Sylvie. Loki struggles to time slip now in a very funny sequence that mirrors what happened in season one when he tried to use his powers in the TVA and nothing happened. And Loki, wa Loki wants to know how to get science to help him get to a place that doesn't exist. Obi says that it may be that he just doesn't know where to look for it and that they need to get everybody together to collect their temporal aura and get the coordinates to that place. Uh, and he says, if only I could create something that would help you do that. And Loki is like, you know, oh, you know, I might have something here. Pulls out the TVA guidebook, gives it to uh, Doug, a.k.a. OB there, to create the temporal <laughs> pad. And then L Loki time slips to see Mobius parenting his frisky boys. Loki talks to him about the TVA again. And Mobius tries to sell him one of his jet skis. Loki <laughs> tries to tell him that his name is Mobius and that he's in the TVA. And just when Mobius is getting scared of this guy who's come to his home and is telling him all this stuff, and he might hit him, Obi shows up using a time door and a makeshift temp pad that he has been building apparently for 18 months and has cost him his marriage and his job. And Mobius has a hard time believing uh, Loki until he shows him that he can come back at, at a time before he leaves so he loses no time with his sons. And he finally convinces him by saying his boys might not be safe if he doesn't help him, and that's Mobius. So, Shannon, a lot with OB, a lot with Mobius. It's really moving and touching and interesting, but with, with OB, a lot more of the exploration of the science and the why of all of this. What are your thoughts over these scenes here that we got in this section of the show? So, love this introduction of Doug. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, Doug. the the there is something that Kiwi KiwiCon plays vulnerability very, very well and oh, yeah. very, very dynamically. Um, as you see that second bookstore employee come around the corner and it's just like you again, like, no, we talked about this and you know, it's like, don't put your sci-fi on our shelves. <laughs> oh, it's an underappreciated genre. It's like, yeah, well, they don't buy it here. There is something like they just filmed him so well. There's something about a discouraged individual carrying too much shit and then dropping it. That yeah. is so as an audience member, you your heart just goes out to them. And it reminded me when I was in elementary school, my mom worked at the library. <laughs> and I think when I was in first grade, loving Transformers, I wrote my own Transformers book. And I'm like, Mom, will you put this in the library? And she <laughs> went, I absolutely will. She showed me she put a little a little uh, sleeve for like the card where you would get the stamp. And then the librarian told me, her boss told me, she's like, you know, a couple people have checked that out. It wasn't until a few years ago that I'm like, wait a minute, they didn't really, you guys just stamped it. <laughs> Kids weren't checking that out for years. <laughs> I believed this. <laughs> Our life is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 visual representation of someone who has too much too much to handle and them dropping it. It's just like, oh, that's that was done really, really well. Um, yeah, as soon as he walks into his workshop, it's like this looks really familiar. And mm -hmm. from a filmmaking and a writing standpoint, the way that they did this was smart because you know, we've had Loki basically explain what's going on to Mobius. Yeah. And before he gets the chance to explain, they prelap the dialogue to yeah. the next section so they can skip over that. So you don't have to hear all that again. And because the reaction is so different, how Obi's so accepting of what he's being told, 
um, it just works really, really well. It's and it saves you a lot of it saves you a lot of space on the page. Um, and knowing that he is a nuclear physicist, like he 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 this that that's his day job to support his writing habit. And like he 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 does nuclear physics to support to support wanting to be this this fiction writer. Um, the moment where he pulls out the one, he's like, let me see if I have another copy. And there's literally a stack of these books. <laughs> so, so funny. You know, the touchstone of him pulling out the TVA, TVA handbook. Again, I was like, all right, yeah, that is the thing that's connecting it all. But the moment where he says, so I did write a bestseller. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Um, comedically, this is where Tom Hiddleston is really, is really, really good. Because in this moment, that is very clearly a joke. Um, it's very easy as a performer to punch that joke and maybe take out some of the laughter because you're kind of you're asking for the laughter. Mm. Tom mm. Hiddleston's um, awkwardness on his face and he doesn't blink the entire time. The yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, the reaction is just so so. I mean, that's that's something that uh, a a comedic performer who knows how to pull on the reins. That's something that they do. And it was just really, really well done. Um, but yeah, we get the explanation from OB that, yes, you are you are consciously going to these places. You just have to figure out how and why. And then that sets up for what we're going to find out later. So, yeah. yes, very well done. Uh, what about the Mobius stuff? Your thoughts on the Mobius stuff as well? Man, again, Owen Wilson, so good. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a more pathetic sight than him, you know, white knuckling a tire iron. <laughs> getting ready to take a swing at somebody um but yeah again just thrilled that owen wilson has a role like this and that uh that he that he's being appreciated again yeah for sure all right uh mike your thoughts on the ob scenes here with loki and also the stuff with mobius at the end there of this section i i'll tell you i did something really funny after watching this episode i went back uh and i popped on like a random scene from the beginning of indiana jones and the temple of doom <laughs> just to look at little 10 year old kihi kwan yeah. and and like the there we've seen we've had actors that we've grown up with we've had actors that were on like nickelodeon whatever and we've seen them grow up and some of them we've seen them go down really bad paths whatever something about kihi kwan his story of he was in these two movies that for a lot of us are just like these seminal movies of our childhood. Mm -hmm. And he was so, uh, he just, in both of those movies, he was a standout. And then he just kind of went away. And to have him come back now as an adult and to have him come back and be so good, but still so much the same guy that we watched when we were kids, there's just something so magic about his story. And it just makes me so happy that we get to see so much of him right now. It just, and because he is so good. Shannon's right. He plays this vulnerability so well. He's got this great comic timing. He's such a specific and unique presence in anything that he does. Um, so yes, the whole opening, getting to know that he is sort of this really failed science fiction writer. You're just like, man, and, and that he's the guy who ultimately writes the TVA handbook. You're like, this is perfect. Like, this is just, <laughs> it's the perfect origin story. Um, when and then yes, when Loki when he goes back to his sort of uh, lab base hangout whatever, you look at it and you're like, yeah, this is absolutely the guy who designed the TVA because this is his office. I mean, like they from an art direction standpoint, they did such a good job of making it exactly the same but not quite. Right. Yeah. And that's such an interesting way to you know, it's like just the the shapes 
the broad strokes, it's exactly the same. The details are different. But even him having, in 1996, that really old school computer that's reflective of all of the computers in the TVA, like every little detail of this, you were like, all right, got it. Um, the fact that like Loki's like, oh, thank God it's you then finds out he is a fiction writer and is like, we're doomed. And then <laughs> Ki Kwan's delivery of like, well, I mean, I also, you know, know particle physics and, you know, da -da, but that's just like my stupid day job. And he's like, oh, God, thank you. Very funny. But also, given the title of this episode and the conversation yes. they're about to happen, it's interesting because Loki dismisses the fiction part of Obi's personality and thinks that the science part is what he needs. And ultimately at the end of this episode, it's not the science, it's right. the fiction. So like that gets into some really interesting stuff because as Shannon says, you know, like the whole thing that Obi tells him is you, it's not random. You're clearly going to exactly the places you want to go. Um, and when he says science is about the what and the how, but fiction is about the why. Yeah, that is like th this is getting into like the cosmic questions of the universe like science has answered. We all know about evolution. We know how we developed. But like, why humans? Why do we exist? Right. Why do we do the things And that? And that, you know, if you are a religious person, you're like, well, science doesn't answer that. Like there is some higher like there's a why to all of this. Like there is a why that that drives the science explains what happened and how we work like we know like how our heart pumps and our brain fires electrons but the why of it that's the big mystery and so for this show to start kind of like getting into that kind of stuff i was like oh we in it now <laughs> we are in it um and then yes the the the, uh, the 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 sports almanac of the marvel cinematic universe the tva guidebook we now have sort of two loops uh right. two time loops with it because we we watched ravona took the tva handbook right. gave it to a young victor timely on the sacred timeline thus branching him off and creating victor timely as somebody who used the tva handbook to get to a certain place and that then ob was inspired by the work of victor timely to write the handbook but then actually uh Victor Timely was inspired by Obi. So there's that whole time loop. And now we have the uh, Loki bringing the TVA guidebook to the guy who wrote the TVA guidebook so that he could build a time pad. So they're just getting into these like time loops uh, all over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing was just great. Uh, you know, particularly the science versus fiction idea is an idea that I'm going to be thinking about for, for weeks to come. And then, yes, on the Mobius side, Owen will, you know, we talked a lot about Kiwi Kwan, Kiwi Kwan playing vulnerability really well, but Owen, a lot of times when you have a, an actor playing that role where, and when we're watching all the science fiction, fantasy, comic book, superhero stuff, you often have that thing where someone has to be faced with something that is unbelievable and they have to go, whoa, I don't believe this. But then we also need them to quickly get on board because we want to move on with the story. And Owen Wilson's just... I am talking to a crazy person in my garage <laughs> into what the fuck is going on. Yeah. There is this great moment where after OB shows up and they're all off to the side and Owen Wilson is watching himself meet Loki and everything. And he looks at Tom Hiddleston and he just goes, are you my friend? And it's just so honest. Yeah. And then, and then Tom Hiddleston is like, yes. And like, because their kind of bromance is one of the things that really makes this show work. Like just having this moment happen 
it was just really, really, really lovely. So just great work all around, great writing all around. And just, again, throwing, you didn't have to, like they, they could have just done everything that they did and just been very, oh, look, OB's here. He's going to build a thing. But throwing in this science versus fiction idea yeah. is just, to me, that's the cherry on top that puts this episode a mile above so much other uh, genre television that tackles these ideas. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've always complained about, and you guys know this because we've done the reviews together, is sometimes Marvel brings up a particular topic or makes a particular issue the foundation of their show, but they don't really explore it as deeply as they need to. And in this, having that conversation between science and fiction, that's when you know you're in the right hands. They're exploring it. They're discussing it. They're fleshing it out. They're having the back and forth about it, which you with which makes you as a viewer go, which side am I on on this? What am I feeling? What am I connecting to and what they're talking about? Oh, I didn't see it that way. So I love that. It's, a gr again, intellectually challenging. That is fun to see in a show like this, especially in a situation like Marvel, and especially at this time when Marvel has taken so many hits to the body right now uh, with uh, some of their content. So, yeah, I, I love this middle section so much. And, again, I can't echo enough what you two already said about Kihi Kwan. Just the natural you want to love this guy energy that he has you can't create that that is has to has to be naturally from the person and that comes through in the performances and you see that with him but then he's he has much more power in this version of his his life than he does as ob ob he knows everything people come to him for answers and he does this stuff this is him counseling loki which he has not done him guiding Loki, him questioning Loki, him having him have the conversation about why, not the what and the where, but why and the who, all of which is what Loki comes to enter the who. But this all is so fascinating to see them have the back and forth and making him a downtrodden science fiction writer who is, oh, by the way, supremely fucking intelligent, I think is a nice way to kind of play these levels with this character and create the character to make him even more interesting and charming for the audience. And then we get to the Mobius stuff. And I love that because, again, their chemistry as actors is fantastic. And the natural progression of this and seeing the exasperation of Mobius as he's trying to get his son not to burn shit and negotiating, as you mentioned, Shannon. But then when he's having the back and forth with, with, Mobi, with Loki rather, and having the concern about his sons, that gives you so much more. And then the casualness of Obi walking through the temp pad and, I, I lost my wife and my job, but this is real. So you see clearly like where everybody's motivation is and where's where everybody's what everybody's why is and who is, but we don't have Loki's yet, which we're getting to, which I, we'll, we'll get to after the break here, but this is just great, great stuff. So let's take a quick break and we'll jump into the last section of the episode here right after this. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Ooh, 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 ooh. 
All right, so now because uh, Loki has a mission to uh, bring everybody together here to get their temporal aura, to get these coordinates in place. They had to B-15, and they use the temp pad, and they convince her. They head to KC uh, on the beach after the prison's escape, and they convince him. So everyone ends up at Obi's place except for Sylvie. And Loki realizes that he know, and it's not a it's not an accident that she's the last one. And Loki probably knows he's got to have a hardcore conversation with her. He heads to Oklahoma. Sylvie's getting into her truck. She's at the McDonald's. She's still there. Sylvie knows it's him, though. She knows she is very aware who she is and what's going on. She says, "Let's go get a drink." After she sees him, t- a time slip, which freaks her out. Great face on Sophia DiMartino when she sees him time slip. Uh, as they're at the bar, we see the Zaniac video game, which Marvel immediately <laughs> start creating. Uh, and then they, did, uh, and then Loki and Sylvie discuss their responsibility to the He Who Remains situation. She wants to know what Loki wants, and she breaks him down eventually. And he reveals in a very wonderful acting moment from Tom Middleston that he just wants his friends back, and he doesn't want to be alone. This is the fucker that 11 years ago attacked New York, and here he is emotionally and i mean that in the in the date of the movies the emotion that comes out of him missing his friends is so moving so he says his friends are back in their own timelines where they belong and you've got to just accept that and loki then asks well without them where do i belong and i'm sure he's not the only person on the planet who has wondered if i lose certain people where do i belong where do i fit now without them in my life i love you too oh you know what? <laughs> so he says we're writing our own stories and tells Loki to go write his. We cut back to Obi's place. Casey angles to use the temp pad to break into things because he loves being a criminal. As Mobius tries to sell B-15 a jet ski, they're all just going to be who they are. Loki comes back and says they all need to go home, that he's taken them out of their timelines. He apologizes and go and taking her advice, uh, Sylvie's advice, basically. And then we cut to Sylvie walking into a record store, store, and Lyle is there, gives her a record to listen to because she's had a rough day, and it is Sweet Nothing from the Velvet Underground, the Velvet Underground, a great uh, group. And as she's listening, everything starts to turn to spaghetti, and as Lyle runs to save Sylvie, uh, he turns into spaghetti, and she realizes what this means, uses her temp pad to escape, Back at Obi's place, Loki's trying to convince them all to go, but then Sylvie shows up and says all the branches are dying. Loki says, we have to go back to stop the temporal loom from shutting down. They need to read the collective aura of everyone, but the temp pad is gone. Casey, Obi, Mobius, B-15, and Sylvie all of a sudden disappear in spaghetti. Loki, in desperation, tries to grab the strands of spaghetti, and finally, in utter pain, he yells out, and he realizes he can control the time slipping, and we jump back in time with him, and he tells OB that he can control his time slipping because he figured out it's not about when, where, or why. It's about who. And he says he can rewrite the story and takes himself back to the TBA just before Victor Timely walks out onto that platform, and the episode ends. Mike, what an ending. What an incredible amount of scenes here, and what fantastic emotional conversations, but also philosophical conversations, and in the end, revelations here. What did you think about these final scenes of this episode? Uh, well, first, when we kind of gather back at Obi's place, the slow-mo shot of Casey stealing shit really got me. I don't know, like, something about it. Like, seeing everybody do their thing, but then Casey just being like, oh, I'm going to take this right here. Uh, just really, really well done. I also just, with a little bit, like, with some subtle lighting changes and some different angles, 
they do a really nice job of making OB's place as you when you first see it obviously as we said you can tell yeah. that it is the real life version or the first version or whatever you want to call it of OB's office at the TBA but as they get further in you see like some more green on the walls you see some stuff like it slowly oh, looks yeah. more and more and more like his office which i think is it's in just very it's not like they're actually changing it physically but just in certain little ways they kind of do a good job of making it feel more like they're at the tva which i thought was yeah. really subtle but really really well done um all the little stuff what is it that that mobius or uh Owen Wilson, he goes he goes oh you're like my name my name's mobius or that's my that's, that's my cool. that's my space name that's my space name that's my space name <laughs> that's like, a cool right. name it's, uh, it's cool. It's pretty cool. It's my space name. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, so when he gets to Sylvie, just, like I said earlier, the fact that Sylvie and Loki are the two that uh, just, they're like, the, when she's like, yeah, of course I know you. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, I know everything that happened. You know everything that happened. Like, we're both Lokis. Um, so the fact that they're the two, again, I don't know if they're ever going to fully answer that for us or, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, I, if they answered it, I'd be fine with it. But given the fact that they're gods and given the fact that they went to the end of time, I'm kind of like, yeah, if these two are different, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> the conversation between the two of them, yeah. like you said, great. What I, and, and, and Tom Hiddleston's sort of his acting on the breaking down of like, but what's really like, this was like therapy 101. My therapist has done this to me multiple times. Like, well, why does this matter to you? Well, it matters to me because I want to be successful. Well, but why do you want to be successful? Well, I want to you know, because I want to make money. I want to do this. Well, but why, why, why? And you always get down to these like base emotions of like, because I don't want to be alone. I, I, I don't, I, I want to be secure. Like there's just certain base emotions. And so Loki getting down to, I want my friends. I could have told you that for cheaper. But anyway, yes, go, keep Bitch. going. Keep going. <laughs> I got a fucking, I got a fucking list of things for you here that I'm going to tell you one day about yourself. So I keep it in my... Well, I'll keep it in my Apple couples. Notes. I'll, I'll happily keep it do my... couples therapy with you. I got no problem with that. <laughs> um, what, I, what really struck me in this scene is, one, it's not the first thing that Loki says in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's pretty early on. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Mm. And mm. this entire show is about a guy who is broken down and, ha and he has no purpose and needs to find a new one. Great point. Like, yeah. just the 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 arrogant the arrogant asgardian god of chaos who had who thought his purpose in life was to rule gets to the tva and is told your purpose in life is to lose and gets to this point at a bar with an alternate version of himself and is faced with my purpose is i don't want to be alone and i want my friends like there's and and like I said, who I think his purpose is now going to be like I'm going to go build the TVA, but um, but just like that that watching this character arc, this journey for this, like who would have thought? Honestly, even going back to the first Thor movie, where you're like, I mean, Tom Hiddleston's a good actor. Loki, they didn't do as good as they did in the comics. He was a fine character, but like Marvel has a villain problem. To getting to Avengers where you're like, all right, you know what? Loki's pretty good. He's a good villain. Like, I really enjoy him. He's such a fun villain. To going to where we are now has been such a great journey. Independent of where the show goes. Independent yeah. of where the MCU goes. Even if the MCU falls on its fucking ass in the next two years and we're all <laughs> like, remember when? Loki's arc? Chef's kiss. They did it. It's yeah. great. Um, and then him getting back 
and uh, just kind of being rudderless. Like he has no purpose. There is no glorious purpose for this guy anymore. Like he's like, my friends don't, I, I, I'm being selfish. I don't get to be with my friends. They should all go live their lives. Maybe Sylvie's right. Like that's, that's kind of where he's at. Then we see from Sylvie's perspective that this is not, you're not going to, you don't win this one. Like they're, the, the, everything is done. Like there is no living peacefully on a timeline that loom explodes and everything spaghettis and that's the end of it. So no, we do have to fix this. So then she shows up and he's like, all right, we got the band together. Now we can do this. And you just watch it all fall apart. Oh. A really important detail. Um, and it's interesting, the whole joke of Casey stealing things and kind of asking questions about that temp pad, that temp pad disappears and Casey doesn't take it. Right. So who took the temp pad? Where is the temp pad? Is, does Loki take it? Does he who remains take it? Does Victor Timely take it? Like that, it is such a clear, like they all like the temp pad's gone and they're all like Casey and he's like, I didn't take it. And Loki's like, look, I, you can steal whatever you want, but this is important. And he's like, I didn't take it. And then he gets spaghetti. <laughs> so we kind of forget about the moment, but somebody took that temp pad. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just getting to the end of this, this whole like, the who is important it's not it's not the what it's not the how it's not the why it's the who that loki's breaking when sylvie broke him down to i want to be with my friends that the key to his power and the key to everything is the who and like john was saying where we all have that i think there's something very beautiful about the thing that makes all the power in the universe really work is the who the most mm -hmm. important thing it doesn't matter how we got here it doesn't matter what happened to bring humans to this point in history the why is important to us like why are we here but the biggest most important thing is who it's the people that we're with yeah. and that that just gets me that that is some friendship is magic shit right there like i am a hundred percent on board with that and then as i was saying earlier the key here once he masters this like he has that moment because we watch him sort of he time slips and goes back to like moments before yeah, when right. Sylvie was like when right before Sylvie gets spaghetti when everyone else is gone. Then he time slips again to right when Sylvie comes in. But the key difference here is when he time slips, he doesn't time slip as a second Loki watching this all happen, which is right. what has happened up to this point. Right. He comes into a room and he sees himself reading the book and it's a time loop. He's not looping anymore. He goes back into his body. And he is now in the moment and he is like, I can now, nothing is a foregone conclusion. I am now in this moment with this knowledge, I can affect change. So once he knows that he's done that and has mastered it, we go back to the very last shot is him going back to exactly where he was at the end of last week's episode, right before the loom explodes. And if you watch the trailer for uh, the last couple episodes of Loki that they brought out a couple of weeks ago, you see a couple shots that make it clear uh, a couple things that are going to happen, but I will leave that uh, open-ended. I don't want to spoil anybody. Fair enough. I do want to give a little love uh, to Kirsten Howard, who is a, a writer over at Den of Geek. I always love her reviews. She compared what happens to Loki in this season to um, the turning him from the god of mischief, she says, into the god of stories is a key redemptive moment for the character in Al Ewing's Agent of Asgard run. So if you if you want to get a little more background on what may have influenced these particular choices story-wise by Eric Martin and the people involved in the production of this Loki season. I got to go read that. Everybody yeah. is talking about like every YouTube video, everyone's talking about Agent of Asgard and mm -hmm. I really do think that everyone's like I I I'm really I I might go check it out today and read it because uh yeah. 
it really does seem like this. There's a lot there that seems to be the direction they're headed. That's true. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on these final scenes here that we got to end this uh, incredible episode of Loki season two. Yeah. I mean, my presumption was that tin pad turned into spaghetti the way that the coffee mug in the record shop turned into spaghetti, mm. how Lyle went to go pour that coffee and that mug was just gone. Um, the idea that's true. That, that that's potentially, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But I mean, the idea that potentially someone took it, I mean, I do think that's, I think that's fun to speculate on. I mean, cause again, even though, uh, I think Vogel's the one who has banged this drum the hardest that Victor Timely might be might be a true huckster and, and really be pulling a fast one on everybody. Um, I, I do like the idea that somehow Victor Timely got in there <laughs> and took that Tim pad somehow, even Yoink. though I think. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Vogel, Vogel pretty much checked all the boxes and then checked them again. Uh, so it, but I just want to point out just the the smaller rolled actors in this episode and, mm. and i think that's another reason why this season has been so so good one uh i think his name is jason pinnacook he's the guy that played lyle um yeah. you know the the amount when when you only have five lines something like that you know your your purpose glorious purpose um as a guest performer is to not stick out like you're supposed to get on the train be and be able to hop off the train and it's like you you don't want to stand out but in his not standing out he really stood out in such a good way like the way the 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 quick back and forth that he had with sylvie the moment that he realizes the cup's gone and suddenly reality is starting to disintegrate behind him and that look of panic on his face and and he is most likely doing that shot I don't think it was a volume shot. It was probably a blue screen shot, but he's doing that surrounded by nothing. Um, I just thought the the guest actors across the board this season have been really, really stellar. Um, but yeah, I mean, knowing that when when Loki went to go visit Sylvie, that this is not the Sylvie who witnessed the destruction of the loom. So more than likely what has happened is Loki time slipped. Everyone else they're you know, they're gone. Um, so that's why she was not a, like, she, of course she remembers everything because she is the, she is the Sylvie that got, uh, uh, taken out by the TVA when she was a kid. Right. So of course she's going to have all of her memories. Um, and it makes sense why she would, and the rest of them wouldn't, um, watching that moment where Loki is just kind of, as Vogel said, rudderless, kind of like, sorry, I was wrong. Um, and Owen Wilson, uh, his, his whole, like, you know, wait, 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 wait. you said, you said this now you're, you said my kids were in danger. Now they're not. I mean, the, the amount that all of these people with the exception of Kiwi Kwan, who's already spent 18 months building a new Tim pad, um, the, the amount of information that these people are having to take in again, I think it really speaks to the level of talent that you're getting from Owen Wilson, from Winmi Masaka and from Eugene Cordero and totally agree with Vogel watching him, watching him and his sticky fingers, uh, lift stuff in this, you know, incredible workshop. It was just really, really fun. And, what again even though like yes we we have seen the preview so we do know a little bit of what is we know of some stuff that's going to pop up but the thing that this show has done so well is keeping the audience guessing because even even still i'm kind of like yeah i still don't know i know of things that could potentially happen um but i really don't know what is going to happen and i really don't know how it's going to affect the you know the mcu going forward yeah 
Yeah, I think it's great for you to point out these actors, uh, uh, Shannon. Uh, Jason Pennycook, as you mentioned, this guy's been nominated for an Olivier Award for his work in Britain as an actor. Isaac Bauman, who's the dirt bike guy at the beginning that Mobius is trying to convince, he's the cinematographer of the episode. He's did, he did four of the episodes as a cinematographer uh, in this. So it's fascinating. And Eric Colvin, who plays the bartender serving them the bourbon, he's also the steakhouse waiter in Moon Knight in that episode. I think it's the second episode when they're uh, out there having did the dinner, have at the dinner. So just using the same people, but also bringing in these really established, fantastic actors and then using people from the tech crew to come and do fun little moments, I think is uh, adds a realism and a fun to this the, the uh, show that you really enjoy. I love these final scenes. Just great, great stuff in the conversations here and the idea of the who. It's so important, the who, right? That's what moves you. And in the moment when everyone is disappearing, which was a great final twist, um, you hear voices, right? Renslayer, other voices coming in that have doubted him or questioned him. And as Michael mentioned earlier at the beginning of this review, Sylvie saying we're Lokis, we're meant to fail, we're meant to mm -hmm. lose. That's our lot in life. So all these voices are running through and then boom, he explodes. I think is an awesome moment of, of empowerment for this character of Loki. You know, I've seen people give this character of Loki, you know, the, the more toxic critics have been like, this isn't my Loki, not my Loki from what I know from the comics and all of that. But this is actually the Loki they started out with. And this, if you follow and map the progression, the emotional progression of Loki and the, the growth of his emotional intelligence as he's gone on his journey from the first Thor movie to now, it has all been about being recognized, being accepted, being loved. That's been the deal. Why was he mad at Odin? Because he preferred Thor over him and he, he gave into his impulses to be the asshole kid, be the god of mischief, to try to destroy that, right? Eventually, piece by piece, you see that the that Thor has to accept who Loki is in, in Ragnarok when he's like, yeah, I, I know what you're going to do by now, and you're my brother. So, so he short circuits him and understands that that's acceptance in a way. The the interactions they have in Thor: Dark World after the death of Frigga, the real connection they develop there, and then as he's gone on through this whole journey in the first two seasons of Loki, you've seen him grow emotionally as a person. Because at the end of the day, it's about the who is not only about who you want to live for. It's also about living for yourself, and you've got to know who you are in order to live for yourself as well as living for other people and enjoying your life with other people. So I love all of that coursing through this in the journey of this Loki. So that Loki is the same Loki we're getting now. He's just grown. And so you may have an issue with the way they've done the Loki, but I have loved this Loki, and it has fit in the MCU uh, perfectly. Um, all right. Any final words here before we wrap up, gentlemen? <clears throat> Uh, a couple. I, I have okay. a couple final words. Oh, okay. Shocker, all right, Knock yourself out. Uh, one, <laughs> one, I do find it really interesting that what we're watching, you know, one of the ultimate time loops uh, in mythology is Ragnarok. Like right. Ragnarok, Ragnarok has to be destroyed so that Ragnarok, so that so it, it can all be rebuilt. Like there is an entire loop that Loki as a, as a god is sort of a key part of. So watching a thing where it looks like the TVA sort of needs to be destroyed so the TVA can be built and having Loki be at the center of all that, mm -hmm. I just find a, uh, as a, a interesting similarity. And then, yeah, look, as I was saying before, I, I saw somebody point this out on Twitter. They had two images. Uh, that walkway to the loom looks an awful lot like the Bifrost. 
in uh, Ooh, in the Thor interesting. movies, <laughs> and that there are certain elements of the TVA that feel very Asgardian, as as well as certain elements of the TVA that look like a 1970s uh, corporate office. But um, just kind of this whole this whole idea of as I'm watching it, I still think Victor Timely isn't just the well-meaning guy. I think that whether oh, yeah. Victor Timely is really the guy behind all of it, or Victor Timely just recognized that he needed to do what he needed to do to make way for he who remains. Like it really does look like ultimately, even though I feel bad about this because I want Loki to go on this really positive character arc, in this sense, maybe what Loki is doing in an attempt to save everything, ultimately does still pave the way for he who remains. That it does look Mm -hmm. like Loki is going to say to all of these people, hey, I'm giving you the choice these people choose to come to the TVA, which he and Sylvie would agree on. They build this TVA to keep the timeline safe and keep everything from turning to spaghetti. Yeah. But in doing so, make an opening for he who remains, who's going to come in and pull it out from under Loki and turn it into what we see at the beginning, um, thus paving the way for the entire Council of Kangs, which he who remains will survive from and make sure that he does everything so that Sylvie and Loki come to him, knowing that Sylvie is going to kill him and that Loki is going to go ultimately destroy the TVA and rebuild it to make way for him again. So it is a, it's a, it's a real big uh, wrap your head around it, but it does feel like to me now next week, I'm going to be like, well, fuck me. I was wrong. But for now, (laughs) that is my theory. Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh, Perfect. perfect. Um, I think it's Loki or Timely who took that tempet and the other version of Loki coming in Maybe. as he had because he hadn't quite mastered time slipping by the time that TBA that tempet is taken. So I wonder if he might be it or Timely. Although and Shannon, or the other, or Shannon is right and it just got spaghettied. But uh, that's true. We'll that's see. very yeah. possible as well. Yeah. Um. All right, Shannon. Any final words? Are we good. Well, just one thing. Sure. Um, when when Loki goes into Piranha Sports and Mobius says you were oh yeah you were here a couple of days ago, that's one thing we haven't seen yet is Loki going into the store. Like he says that the first mm-hmm. time he goes in and sees Don. Is right. that it? Or I thought it was like you know like when he goes to see Ob for the first time and he's like oh yeah like the other day and I was I I stayed a while and he's like no you didn't. Like is that is that is that really a we're gonna see Loki show up earlier or is that just Don's shtick? Oh yeah, this is a good sale. Did you come in a few right. days ago? I I feel like you said you wanted a jet ski. <laughs> you know what? Victor Timely took the took the Tim pad and Mo and Loki came into the store beforehand. Great. There you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, all right. There you go. That's our breakdown of episode five here of Loki season two science fiction. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us, whether you're watching us or listening to us, break it down. We hope we've illuminated you in some way or got you thinking about it more. But of course, we always love to hear from you all. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you are interested in the what, the how, 
the why, or the who, uh, we are here to cover all of it for you on the Geek Buddies. And here's what you can do for us. You can ha- smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got, leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? Is it the best episode of Marvel television? Is it in the top five? Or did you not get it and you think it's garbage? Let us know below in the comments. Uh, let us know what you thought. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right. We've got a finale coming next week. Uh, I don't know what our plans are to review. We'll probably do it live, but we'll let you know as we go along. But excited we are to see it for sure. And uh, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the Geek Buddies. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.